I don't believe my baby blues. Stand behind me. What? The lady's with me, Mr. Green Jeans. Ah, girl, not go along with ugly rock thing like you. So that explains your coloring. Green with envy. Well, Pally, I don't envy what's gonna happen to you. Hulk is bigger. Hulk is stronger. Hulk is dumb. A thing is faster. Hulk can't be hurt. Yeah, but Hulk can be clobbered. That right hook would have flattened Mount Rushmore. and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro and that's Scott Gardner. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm pretty good. We are today picking up a ball that we put down, I think, about eight years ago. <laughs> and I know you Has like the, the sports long? analogies. Well, I, I <laughs> was still relatively new to this show at the time because it was me, you, and Mike. So it was before Bill was on the show. Uh, that we were, we had the project in mind, and I think we've mentioned it in the past. Uh, and we, we we did some prep work for it, and then it just kind of fell by the wayside, and we never actually did it. And that right. is our comprehensive look at the Thing versus the Hulk. Yeah. And it's taken a couple of forms. Well, Originally, I think our plan was to, to have a, a super-length episode where we had a brief discussion of each meeting between the two, but that each of the three of us would pick one book to focus on. Right. It's going to be one mega episode. Yep. So, and then we've talked about reviving this in several formats since, but now what we're going to do is we're going to at least start at the beginning. And today we are going to look at the first two meetings of the thing in the Hulk, which cover three issues. 
Uh, and then we'll see. Next time out, we'll probably pick up the next meeting after that. But who knows? Because <laughs> we are fickle. Yes. <laughs> but it, it, uh, is, it is a... Uh, you know, a classic battle of Marvel. It's one that now maybe we get to see on the big screen eventually. Oh, that would be awesome. I would love that. I would I would actually, maybe this is spoiling ahead, but when we get to uh, the, the second meetup, uh, I was actually thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, because we were talking recently, you and I, and I'm trying to remember if Bill was with us for the discussion, but we were talking and, and kind of lamenting the fact that now – um, you know, some characters are off the board, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and lamenting that, you know, certain stories and certain meetups and character interactions and everything now can never happen because, you know, you no longer have, you know, Cap and Iron Man and you know, some of the others. But, you know, reading through these first two meetups of uh, the Hulk and the FF, I was thinking, what a gr- this would be a great way to bring the FF in. Um, especially the way they're brought in in this very first meeting, um, as we'll discuss. So, yeah, it, it was on my mind that, you know, while we may have lost, you know, some interactions that, you know, now we can't have, there are still some to look forward to uh, that we haven't had yet. And uh, and this one could be a really great one. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm still not sure that we've lost all the interactions that we could have had only because as a comic book fan, I am very used to, okay, this character's off the table. Oh, he's been revived. Uh, you know, this right. character's dead, but now he's alive again. So, right. you know, I don't know why the cinematic universe can't do the same thing at some point. I don't know if they will. I'm not, not making any predictions on it. Uh, if I had to predict, honestly, I think at some point down the line they would because these are great characters and why would you never want to have them on the screen again? Right now, it may take right. a while. I know, you know, I don't. I have no idea how long it'll be, but I don't see Captain America and Iron Man never being on the big screen again. I just that seems silly to me. Right. So we well, I mean, if if you know, if somebody writes a paycheck with enough uh, zeros after it, you know, then uh, <laughs> it'll probably it'll probably happen. It some it could happen. You well, would that's think, so. and that's that's considering Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, but. You know, in reality, why couldn't they find a different actor at some point? I think, you know, you have to wait a little while, let the dust settle, you know, because right now those are the iconic actors for those roles. So it would be right. very difficult to turn around and say, OK, now we're going to do this with different actors so soon. But that right. doesn't mean you never can. Right. So, you know, down the line, maybe maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, I don't know. But at some point, I would not be surprised if they said, okay, you know what? Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans don't want to do it anymore. Here's, you know, Joe Blow and Bill Smith, you know? <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> quite the actor. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, I'm going to follow the James Bond title and never say never again. Because when, when money is at stake, things happen that you don't expect to see happen. Right. So, but one of the things I'd like to do is following each issue, I would like to decide, did the Hulk win? Did the thing win? Or was it a draw? Ah, okay. Um, 
My, we, should, we should keep score depending on how many, you know, if we're going to do, you know, if we end up doing all of these or what, we should we should try to keep some sort of a, a tally or something. My instinct is that the Hulk will dominate the scoreboard because I seem to remember, and, and I was generally a bigger fan of the thing than the Hulk as a kid. And I always had a certain level of disappointment that the that the thing couldn't keep up with him strength wise right so my my general recollection is that most of the battles if there is a clear cut winner it's the hulk but he's oh. not always though that's no, one of no, the nice I, things about so yeah I, know, I think there are each. occasions and and one of the things i want to throw in there too is we, you know, well, you know what? We'll decide them as as they go along. I don't even want to throw any rules on it. It's who who we decide, you know, <laughs> is, is the winner. That's all there is to it. And and the judges' is, decisions are fun. final. This is going to be fun because it goes back to a, a concept that uh, Chris Honeywell and I had a long, long time ago for a show that uh, I think we did a couple episodes of, and then it just kind of fell by the wayside. But we had a, a show that we dreamed up called Versus that was going to be just superhero fights in, in trying to decide, you know, those age old fanboy questions, you know, who was stronger, the Hulk or Superman, or, you know, who was better captain America or, or Batman, you know, that sort of thing. And we did a couple of them and the idea just fell by the wayside, but I think this would be fun to look at them actually in the comics, you know, the, the actual battles these characters have had and, and see, you know, how, how do the fights shape up? So mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to this. So what do we want to jump I'm sorry. I was going to just say what you what you were about to say. That we might as well <laughs> jump into this now. And uh, the first time they got together was in Fantastic Four number twelve. And yep. by way of history, that had a cover date of uh, March of 1963, which would have been, I believe, between uh, issues five and six of the Hulk series. Let me check the dates on. Oh, that okay. To see if I'm right on. Yeah, that. I, I did not look that up. Uh, uh-uh. No, it would be it would be at the same. It's the same cover date as issue six. Which Hulk was the last Hulk. issue, right? Yes. And then, how long was the Hulk on hiatus before he reappeared in um, what was it? Tales to Astonish, right? A year and a half. Year and a half. So. Well, so actually, actually, you know, because the first appearance in Tales to Astonish was number fifty-nine. Where he didn't have his own feature, he was kind of he fought Giant Man, right? In issue fifty-nine, and then issue sixty was back to being a split book, and it was the Giant Man and the Hulk. So if we go with fifty-nine as that issue, then that would be uh, September of sixty-four. Okay, still a pretty pretty significant, you know, for a time where you know he he didn't have his own feature or anything, you know, where he was just you know popping up. You know, in in guest shot, you know, guest shots here and there, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, the, you know, in, in between, he appeared in the Avengers, obviously, and right. then in the second appearance that we're going to cover, which we'll get to. So for now, though, I guess it's time to look at uh, issue number twelve of the Fantastic Four. Round one, fight. All right, so issue number 12 of the Fantastic Four. Um, let's see here. Um, obvious credits on this are you know, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Those are really the, the main ones to know. Uh, inks by Dick Ayers and uh, letters by Artie Simic. 
All right, so the synopsis for this, uh, we are pulling uh, our synopses directly straight off the Marvel Wiki for time reasons. So uh, here we go. The Thing and Alicia are exiting, exiting a symphony auditorium at the end of their date when they notice soldiers marching on the streets. Someone panics as they see uh, through the Thing's disguise and calls him a monster. The soldiers attack Ben, mistaking him for the Hulk. I'm not sure how you make that mistake, but okay. After they subdue Ben, they realize the error uh, and, uh, and apologize for the unprovoked attack. I don't know who wrote this, but uh, yeah, that's screwy. Alicia calms Ben down, and he returns to the Bast- uh, Baxter building. There he complains about being mistaken for the Hulk to his teammates. The Fantastic Four are soon visited by General Thunderbolt Ross, who has come to ask for the Fantastic Four's assistance in destroying the Hulk. Uh, Ross then shows them footage of the Hulk, uh, as well as the recent destruction of various military test weapons that are uh, being designed by Dr. Bruce Banner. Ross tells them that the military believes that the Hulk is responsible for the destruction of these devices. After coming up with various theories on how to take down the Hulk, the Fantastic Four bring Ross to their newest model of the Fantasticar that was designed by Johnny and they all fly to New Mexico to Gamma Base. When they arrive, they find that the military's prototype anti-gravity missile has been wrecked. Ross introduces Reed Richards to Bruce Banner, his young assistant Rick Jones, and another scientist named Carl Court. When Ross tells them that the Fantastic Four will be going after the Hulk, Banner tells his employer that he believes that someone is framing the Hulk for these acts of sabotage. Court then excuses himself from the meeting, and on his way out, he bumps into other members of the Fantastic Four who have been waiting impatiently outside. Court is frightened by the thing and flees the hallway, dropping his wallet as he goes, and it is picked up by the torch. Having become fed up with waiting, the thing comes bursting into the office with the other members of the Fantastic Four, angering Ross, especially when the thing picks up an entire bookshelf of phone books and rips them in half. I like that part. Reed calms down General Ross and Banner uh, goes on to explain that he believes that someone whom he and Rick have dubbed the Wrecker, uh, this is a different Wrecker than the one that's part of the Wrecking crew later on, uh, the Wrecker is responsible for the acts of sabotage. The Human Torch then introduces himself to Rick, showing off his flame powers before handing over Carl Court's wallet, asking Jones to return it to him. Banner and Jones then leave and go to their secret cave hideout. There, Bruce shows Rick a scale model of his next invention, a device that could erect a force field around a city in order to protect it from a nuclear attack. I don't know who the hell wrote this synopsis, but they weren't paying attention to the comic. Anyway, I'll get back to that. Bruce vows uh, to stop the wrecker as the Hulk, uh, as the Hulk, excuse me. Bruce vows to stop the wrecker as the Hulk before he can destroy his invention. Meanwhile, Rick goes to return the wallet to Carl Kor, and seeing a card sticking out of it, he is shocked to find that, uh, that it is a membership card to a communist organization. This really begs the question why this idiot would have that card and have it sticking out of his wallet in the first place, but we're going to ignore that for right now. Court, having uh, sneaked up behind the boy, gets the drop on Rick and takes him prisoner at gunpoint. Later, the Fantastic Four are testing out a new one-man rail-driven rocket car using the thing as a test subject. Why? 
Uh, as the thing rockets down the rails, they notice that the rails had been crushed. Ben's rocket car is quickly derailed, and he is saved from a nasty fall by his teammates. When Bruce arrives on the scene and tells him that the record kidnapped Rick Jones, the Fantastic Four dismiss this, convinced that the Hulk is responsible for the sabotage and Rick's disappearance. Bruce leaves, not revealing to them a note uh, that was left uh, for the Hulk from the Wrecker, ordering him to send the Fantastic Four away in order to save Rick's life. Knowing that there is no way he can make the Fantastic Four leave, Banner goes back to his secret lab and uses his gamma ray projector to turn into the Hulk so he can capture the Wrecker himself. The Wrecker, meanwhile, takes Rick through a series of underground passages to a uh, to an abandoned frontier town, also searching the various tunnels are the Hulk and the Fantastic Four. When the Hulk crosses paths through the FF, a fight soon breaks out between him and the Thing. Unable to fight uh, in such close quarters, the Hulk forces his way to the surface where the fight rages on in the old ghost town. The Hulk manages to incapacitate Mr. Fantastic and the Human Torch, but as he struggles with the Thing again, a beam is fired from the ground below and strikes the Hulk from behind. Seeing this, the invisible girl points out to the thing who digs through the earth to find its source. Below, he finds a robot confirming the existence of the wrecker. Ben easily easily demolishes the robot and then breaks through a metal door. On the other side, he finds Court holding Rick prisoner. Before Court can blast Ben with an atomic-powered weapon, Sue invisibly sneaks around Court and knocks the gun from his hand. The Thing then apprehends Court and frees Rick. They return to the surface to reveal the truth to Reed and Johnny, and while they are comparing notes, the Hulk recovers as well and bounds away to his secret lab to change back into Bruce Banner. Bruce is waiting at the military va- uh, base when they arrive, and he asks—excuse uh, me—he thanks Reed Richards for his help. The Fantastic Four is celebrated by the military before they head back home for New York. As they fly away, the Hulk watches from a distance. Uh, as they depart, but the Hulk has a feeling they will meet again someday. Eh, it's not a bad synopsis, but clearly somebody wasn't paying strict attention to the dialogue in this because they took a couple of liberties here. But uh, overall, not a not a bad synopsis. What did you think of this issue? I thought this was your, I don't know, your, almost it almost felt like that step between the Golden and the Silver Age. <laughs> yes. Just yeah. just the whole concept of the wrecker. Uh, <laughs> we call him that because he wrecks things. Right. <laughs> um, that that whole idea I could have done without that totally. It just it just gave them a, a, an out to not have the Hulk be the bad guy, which is I think right. something they're going to remedy the next time out. Right. Um, there was no need for it. He did, you, you could present him as misunderstood without necessarily having, having him be the bad guy, but you don't have to throw in just kind of a, a wasted plot point to have Carl Court. Uh, you know, here we're going to introduce you to all the people in our group, one of which you've never seen before. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who the bad guy is. <laughs> I was uh, trying to remember that. I was I was reading this issue. I'm like, have we seen this court guy before? And I, I just don't believe remember, so. But yeah, I didn't think so either. Because I, I, 
you know, as you know, I've, I've had an ongoing read through of the Marvel universe going on for a while now. And, uh, Relatively speaking, I read these issues of the Hulk not that long ago, so I didn't remember this court guy. So I kind of thought he was, uh, you know, original to this issue, so to speak. Yeah, actually, I'm looking at the uh, Marvel Wiki page, and under antagonist, it says uh, the Wrecker Call Court first appearance. Uh, okay, is it his last appearance? Chronology. Let's see. Actually, that's not. Let's let's click on his page. He actually has his own page. <laughs> so, no, it looks like uh, that's his only appearance. <laughs> so he was just the MacGuffin. Reminds me of an older yeah. Ron Howard. <laughs> Kind of his, the, the way his, I can see that. The way his hair is. You, you could have current day Ryan yeah. Howard play the part if you wanted to put, if you actually wanted to <laughs> film this particular version. <laughs> I, uh, I like this issue, but I, I actually like it almost despite uh, the fight. I mean, I, you know, I came to this one, you know, revisiting this one for the fight, obviously, but I like the team up or not the team up, but the crossover nature of the, of the book more than the actual fight. Cause the fight itself, it's okay. It's, it's very brief. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in your, uh, you know, in your suggestion, which I was going to make as well of, of trying to determine who's the winner, this is going to sound like a cop out, but in this particular fight, I think it's almost a draw. I, I don't know that there really is a clear winner. So, see, I've been um, going back this, and forth on that because it's due to yeah. outside interference that the thing wins. Uh, yes. And, and before that happens, it's really not clear who has the edge. Exactly. We're, we're not even seeing, okay, the Hulk was winning, but then somebody interfered and, and the thing won. Uh, so the question is, do we say... Outside interference, therefore, it's incomplete and it's a draw. Or do we say, hey, when the battle was over, the the thing was standing upright and the Hulk was unconscious. Therefore, the thing gets the victory, even if it's through cheating. Not that he was um, cheating, but hmm, it is still cheating. Know. So that's a determination I, I think, we're going to have to make is do we, do we effectively disqualify I, the thing? <laughs> right. Well, I think one of the things that is really fun with this particular fight is that neither of these characters are yet in their iconic form, if you know what I mean. Because now the thing is pretty close to the thing that we would eventually wind up with, but he's still, at least in my mind, he's still what I would call the lumpy thing. He's, he's, although the Hulk does make the comment when he belts him for the first time that uh, he says, R, like hitting a stone wall. But this, to me, is not yet quite the made-of-rocks thing. This one's still largely the lumpy thing, where, where he's almost like a clay man or something. Um, the Hulk is very clearly not you know, the Hulk that we would eventually wind up with. He's for one thing, he's smart. He doesn't say, you know, he doesn't talk like an idiot. Um, he's almost, uh, you know, one, one of the things I noticed in this, in, in this one and in the story that we're going to look at next is that the dialogue between the two of them is not that different. 
So it's kind of neat that they wind up at odds with each other because their speech patterns are very similar to each other. Um, the, the closest I, I would say for, you know, for younger readers or, you know, for younger fans or whatever is kind of think of the, the gray Hulk, like the Joe fix it Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's not like that sarcastic or anything, but that's kind of the speech pattern he has, you know, he's, um, you know, tough, a lot of tough guy talk, that sort of thing. But it's not, you know, Hulk smash and it's not, uh, you know, the, the matter Hulk gets the strong and none of that. It's it's all, you know, tough guy talk more than anything. Uh, and he's he's an angry Hulk, but he's not a bad Hulk. And it goes to what I was saying. Where, right. You know, they, they didn't want to make him the villain. Right. So they took the I, I think they took the easy way out by putting the wrecker in there to frame him. Uh Right. And, you know, he, he has no no bad intentions whatsoever and he's framed and then, you know, he they end up battling him because they don't trust him. I would have preferred right. that, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be the villain, but he should be the antagonist. And to be the antagonist, it could just be that he's being aggressive and they don't trust him or they, you know, they, they misunderstand him and they go after him. You don't necessarily have to have the guy framing him. Right. I mean, Thunderbolt Ross was already out after him anyway. Right. So, I, like I said, I think the whole wrecker aspect of this plot is just silly. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite moment is when the thing rips up the phone books. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like, why are you binding these phone books to put on <laughs> display anyway? Well, you know, and he, he's have, so upset afterwards. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have Google and all that back then, you know. So, I mean, this this was, you know, this was how he. Uh, you know, oh, no, the, you the know. big ape ruined my bound set of telephone <laughs> books. Yeah, I know. Who, who, who binds phone books? It is silly. Did he get the yellow pages what? and the white? <laughs> <laughs> what I really like about this, though, is, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, I'm not old enough to have read these, you know, when they, when they came out or anything, but I can only imagine how exciting this had to be, you know. I'm looking at it from the angle of, you know, watching these characters, you know, get their their own movies and, you know, their own franchises going with the cinematic universe. And then eventually they start crossing over and meeting each other and everything and how exciting it was, for example, like when Ross showed up in uh, Captain America Civil War, for example. Here you've got that happening all the way back in 63, you know, with if you were following, you know, Marvel's output and you had been reading the Hulk. And so you knew, you know, General Ross and, you know, Rick Jones and the different characters. Now here they are, you know, crossing over and meeting up with the FF in their own. That had to be really exciting. And I think this crossover works really, really well in this. You know, it's, it's set up nicely. Um, you know, there's, there's a reason why Ross comes to them there. You know, there's a reason for everything that's going on here. It's not just, you know, some silly hackneyed plot, you know, he, he comes to them specifically because they, at this time, they're the premier super team. I actually, they were the only super team, right? Cause the Avengers hadn't been formed yet. So, you know, the FF is who you would go to for, you know, a superhero problem, uh, you know, like tackling the Hulk. And I, I think that's really neat. I, that, that was what I liked more about this than the actual fight was to see all these different, 
characters, you know, meet and shake hands for the first time. You know, you're seeing the first interaction between Bruce Banner and Reed Richards, which is, you know, that's really neat because one of the, the few things that, uh, that I would say is a negative for me with the next story that we're going to look at is you've got a lot of these characters meeting each other for the very first time, but there's, there's not time for that apparently in the story because it's never addressed that, you know, this is the first time, you know, character A and character B are, are actually sharing the same story. And th- th- I kind of lament that. That's that's my only criticism of, uh, you know, the second meetup is, you know, I, I think there should have been a couple of moments of people, you know, again, you know, doing the, the meet and greet with each other, like, yeah, it's nice to meet you, so-and-so. You know, and there's none of that because there's not time for it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I like this one. Um but any time I was just reading a, a Captain America story the other night where it was the same thing. It was um, all of a sudden out in the desert, uh, you know, the Red Skull calls forth the fifth sleeper, this giant friggin robot that was under the. And I'm like, all right, I know it's comics and everything, but I, you know, I can't help. I always have to look at into the logic behind the story. And it's like, how how are you able to build this robot or your facility underground? And, you know, it's a giant thing and nobody knew. And, you know, how did you afford it? And, you know, all those, all those, you know, those logic questions that start coming into play. And I, I can't just read this anymore and go, Oh, giant robot. It's like, wait a minute. Where, where did you find, you know, where'd you get the resources and how did you get this robot underground? And, you know, those sorts of things that kind of takes me out of the story a little bit when things like that happen. Yeah. I do my best to try and ignore as much of that as I can <laughs> because it, it does have a tendency to take you out. Yeah, it really does. Especially with that story I was just reading, like I say, you know, it's the Red Skull calls forth this this robot that Cap says is taller than a skyscraper, and I'm like, okay, then how did you bury it in the <laughs> just outside of Las Vegas and nobody knew? So yeah, well, it's been sleeping. <laughs> it's been down there for a long time. I guess because I don't know why, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> But uh, back to back to, to this one a little bit. Um, we, you know, we laughed at the uh, the thing ripping up the phone books, and one of the things I, I really like is as soon as he's done, and you know, Thunderbolt Ross is like all annoyed. Uh, the thing is standing there in the background, like with his arms folded, just very smug, like. <laughs> And and you see all of the books like are ripped in half and they're on the floor at their feet. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just get such a kick out of that. Uh, I mean, the Human Torch is such a jerk in this. Yeah, yeah, he is. And well, then and funny. then you know, go ahead. Uh, it's just, I was going to ask. Do you think that I don't want to say anybody's necessarily out of character? But do you think, other than when he, he gets really pissed about the phone books, do you think that Ross is really reserved in this for that character? Because he's usually kind of the ranting and raving guy, and he really doesn't seem to do a lot of that in this. He's actually fairly cordial with uh, with Reed Richards, and I don't know, he's just, he, he's much calmer than he normally is. He, it's really just the thing that he gets annoyed with. Well, the way I'm taking it is he's kind of coming hat in hand to ask for their help. Right. So he has to be a little bit more 
you know, considerate of them mm-hmm. than, than he might be, you know, with if you know, with military personnel that he's got the right to order around. But on the other hand, I, like- I don't think he's used to not to, to having people who he can't order around. So I think he would have a difficult time doing it this way. I like that Ben seems like he goes out of his way just to annoy Ross. I really like that because there's the when you get to chapter four, and for do we ever get an explanation for why Ben is in the rocket sled? No, I think it's just they found it and they said, "Was it Reed uh, fixed the problems that they had with it and said, okay, let's go?" But yeah, <laughs> okay, no, no, no real reason. So, you know, you open up chapter four, and Ross is ranting at the thing. He goes, thing, get out of there. Uh, that sled isn't ready for testing yet. It has some bugs we haven't uh, been able to iron out. And Ben just goes, relax, Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He, he really does seem like he's purposely just trying to irritate the general, which I really, he's very, you know, it, just in his speech and everything, he's very irreverent and, and kind of, you know, semi-disrespectful. So it, it's funny. I, I get a kick out of that. Now, uh, early on when they start first talking about fighting the Hulk, I'm kind of okay with the thought that uh, the thing and the torch say, oh, if I meet him, this is what I would do. Uh, but when Reed Richards does it, I feel like it's really stupid. Because he's supposed to be better than that. He's supposed to be the mature one. You know, I would go up on the ceiling and I'd drop on him. And when I do, that's all, folks. Please. I I would forgive that if that went somewhere. Because I'll be honest with you, I couldn't remember how this issue ended. And when all of the boys do that, because, you know, first the thing talks about how, you know, he'll mop the floor with the Hulk and then... uh, Johnny's talking about making a flame maze that the Hulk will never find his way out of. And then, you know, like you say, he'd give a shit. He'd just walk right through the fire. I thought that what we would get is Sue does not chime in. And so I thought at the end of the story that she would play some sort of critical role in, I don't know, taking down the Hulk or calming down the Hulk or, or something. And of course she doesn't. And so that to me was weird because I thought, that scene was, I, I thought it was set up with the boys bragging and she doesn't participate in the bragging. I thought that was set up, but it, yeah, it is. It would, it would have been good if there was a payoff to that. If they each yeah, did their little trick and none of them worked. And then Sue Storm, after they dismissed her out of hand, right. and this was all being discussed. And then she, if she was the one to ultimately stop the Hulk, that would have been nice symmetry of the story. And it also would have been, you know, kind of ironic. Uh, now, right. you know, I'm, I am not a, a social justice warrior, but <laughs> throw the big butt on here. I find it irritating the way they just dismiss her. Uh, looks as though I'll be going along for yeah. the ride. I'm not sure how I can help, she says. And then Thunderbolt Ross, a Miss Storm, a pretty young lady can always be help, be of help just by keeping the men's morale up. And then read the prick that he is that's just the way we feel about sue general <laughs> instead of saying no no she's a you know a good part of the team or whatever no yeah no, right. no you're right she's here to keep up our morale <laughs> i mean you know why is she a member of the team if this is the way they're gonna write her well you know i i noticed that a lot in the in the earliest issues of the well actually in, in the earliest issues of marvel in general not just fantastic four but the the female characters um man uh yeah, i know the, the invisible girl uh 
Marvel Girl, they're all like dismissed out of hand. Yeah, very much so. I, I like that Sue eventually somewhere down the line, and I'm not sure if, if John Byrne gets the credit for it or whatever, but you know, down the line she she is proven to be uh, a powerful character. Now I don't necessarily care for uh, for a time, I don't know if it's still this way now, but for a time it, it became where she was actually the most powerful member of the team because of her powers and her finding her. So I don't know that you need to let the pendulum swing, you know, that far the other direction. But I like that she is, you know, has been established now that you know she's not just the the girl that turns invisible. She's actually a, a viable and strong member of the team that can do some pretty incredible things with, you know, her force field powers and all of that. I, I like that. So, you know, she has been redeemed down the line. It's just here. Yeah, she although it has to be pointed out though, she does uh you know, she foils what's his name? Court at the end of the story by sneaking up on him. You know, he's gonna uh, blast the thing with his atomic powered weapon, whatever the hell that's all about. You know, she's the one that, you know, knocks the weapon out of his hand and all. So, I mean, she does have a part to play in the story as well, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And, and you got to think that his atomic powered weapon would be effective because he's able to knock out the Hulk with his atom powered ray from underground that he right. shoots him in the head with. So, if he's able to take the Hulk out, he'd be able to take the thing out as well. Right. So how are we going to find on this one as far as uh, win, lose, draw? Um. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm inclined for exactly the reasons we talked about early on. I'm inclined to give it to the thing because I don't think he wins that many. So, But I think if, it was, if the Hulk won that way, I think I'd say draw. So uh, I, I'm not really necessarily being fair. Let's see. All right, I'm I'm looking back at the actual fight. So the first thing we've got is the Hulk belting the thing, and then he he buries everybody under the ground, and then he escapes. So what's the next time? So then the thing comes after him. The thing belts him through a wall, and then that's that's pretty much it. They 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 lock together. You know, they're tussling together. You know, they're kind of locked in a uh, whatever you call it, not an embrace, but you know what I mean. Like, like when what do they call that when when boxers, you know, clinch, lock. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're like then that's when the Hulk gets blasted. So that's a, effectively the end of their fight right there. So they, they traded blows. The Hulk smashed the thing, and the the thing smashed the Hulk, and that's pretty much the extent of the fight when it comes to the two of them. Mm-hmm. So. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm gonna rate it for me personally. I'm gonna rate it a draw because there's, you know, in their fight, there's not a clear victor because it was, you know, the Hulk gets knocked out by the Ray. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna grudgingly go along with you only because I know the only reason I want to go the other way is bias. <laughs> so to, to be fair, to give one to yeah. So to be fair, right. I'm gonna say draw as well. Yeah, at at this time when you're dealing with you know this this proto Hulk, so to speak, you know a very early incarnation of the Hulk, um, you know he's not at that crazy high power level that he would eventually get to. So in this particular instance, they're probably as evenly matched as they were going to be for some time, which is a shame looking back at it here that you know that there's so little of the fight. 
Because it really wasn't until I looked at the actual blows traded that I realized it's only two blows that they exchange with each other. The the fight feels longer than that because the Hulk's also fighting the other members of the FF. But yeah, I like this one. It has to be pointed out, too, before I forget, because I'll hate myself later listening back to this if I don't point it out, that this is the three-toed Hulk, mm-hmm. which has been... Uh, used you know in retcons later as evidence that the hulk was still metamorphosing into what he would eventually be three toes four Cause fingers by the, yeah because by would, the next appearance uh he'll have more toes and more fingers too i i don't think i ever noticed the fingers thing does he really only have four fingers i just noticed it on the cover in fact him and the thing have the same number of digits uh and now i'm looking to see if we, i can see it inside the issue yeah, no, you're yeah, right. Four, I'm four looking fingers. at him knocked on the ground on page 21. Yeah, he's only got four, three fingers and a thumb, and then he's only got four toes. So yeah, so yeah, they were they were much more alike than uh, than unalike, really. Yeah, again, it's a it's a shame that they you know that their fight ended the way it did because I think this this had the makings of a truly epic tussle here where they're I think they're pretty evenly matched in this one. Yeah, I, I agree. So we sh- I guess we should rate, rate the book since you know since we're covering it. Uh, sure. You want to go? Yeah, I'll go ahead and run on this one. Um, the cover on this, I like the cover on this one. I, I dare say this is an uh, iconic cover. I have seen it uh, homaged uh, a number of times, you know, from from other uh, you know in other comics and everything. I like this. It's just a really great cover. At last, the Fantastic Four meet the Hulk, and you've got the Hulk, you know, in waiting. Uh, you know, the, everybody's in underground tunnels, and the Hulk's waiting for the FF to come around the corner. He says, "Another second, I'll destroy them all." I like that. It's a great cover. Um, I think I'm going to go a straight up uh, A on the cover of this one. I think it's it's really really nice. Uh, interior art is really good. Um, who's the inker on this again? Dick Ayers. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. Dick Ayers. On uh, on Jack Kirby, um, a lot of detail, uh, a lot of fun. It's it's simplistic in a in a certain kind of way, but it's deceptively simplistic. Um, but I, I really enjoy it, and I, I like the the unique um, panel layouts because while he does use a lot of nine panel grids, he also plays around with the panels as well. Um, and it's just there's so much energy in all of you know it, it it being a static image it still feels like it moves and that's what's really cool about it, it has a very cinematic quality so yeah I really like the interior art on this um, I think I'll go uh, I think I'll go an A on the interior art as well I really really like this um, this is a much more comfortable and familiar Kirby to me because I had a lot of, of of the Marvel reprint books as a kid. They were some of the first comics I ever got uh, were a lot of the, the big reprint books and everything. And I know I had this one. I, I don't know what the reprint book was, but I know I had a big thick one that had this story in it. Um, and then story on this one. Yeah, the story's pretty good. Um, the the fight could be longer. The whole Carl Court things, you know, as you say, is a little silly. Um, points off for the big stupid robot. Um, but I really like again the team up nature of this, uh, the crossover nature of this. I thought was really cool. So 
uh, you know, points for that. So overall, I think I'd give the story, uh, I think I'd go an A minus on the story. So overall, an A book. I, I dig this one. It's a classic. I don't disagree very much with you on this. Uh, the cover, I think this is as good as it gets. I love this cover. I, I think it's iconic. It tells something that's in the story. It's it's a poster image. It's got everything going for it, to be honest with you. So I'm going to give it an A+, because I just don't think you get much better. I don't think it's, it's really possible to get too much better. Um, the interior art, I really like, but I don't think it's quite at that same level. So I'm just going to give that a plain A, not an A+. Uh, and the story, I, I love all the things that you pointed out that you like about it, but I think the Carl Court Wrecker thing bothers me more than it bothers you. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I almost feel like I would, I'm going to drop it down to a B, but then because of the phone book thing and because I laughed so much at it, I'm giving, bringing it up to a B plus because <laughs> I just love that whole sequence. I just thought it was so great. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to give the book an A overall. I, I, this is one I do not have in my collection, needless to say, or probably needless to say, <clears throat> but I would love to. If anybody sees this in a dollar bin, let me know. <laughs> uh, you know, I laugh, but, uh, you know, stranger things have happened, so you never know. Yeah, I will. I, I'm not going to hold my breath, put it that way. <laughs> So that's it for the first meeting between the Thing and the Hulk, and we—I guess uh, that was that was March of '64. So just a little over a year later, April—that was March of '63. Excuse me, April of '64. We meet again in the Fantastic Four number 25, and just to put this in perspective, this was April of '64, and in April of '64, the Avengers. Uh, would have been in between issues four and five. So, so Cap, you know, for those that don't know, Captain America returned uh, and joined the Avengers. He was found by the Avengers in Avengers number four. So Cap was brand new, revived in the Marvel Universe, had just joined uh, the Marvel Universe for all intents and purposes. Yes, in, so in I modern day important. Marvel he would have made one appearance at this point. Yep. I, I think I just feel like that's important to point out because as we'll see, when we go through this story, it's mentioned, but I, I feel like that could have been played up so much more than, than it was. I don't think they knew the significance of it back then. Yeah. When you, when you come down uh, to it. Uh, well, and yeah, that's true. In 64, Cap only would have been out of publication for what? Less than a decade, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was around in the 50s. It wasn't, you know, it was retconned to be a different Captain America, but. Right. You know, Captain America had been published in the 50s. So, right. yeah, I, I don't think, you know, it was significant, but I don't know if it was as significant in, in their minds. Right. As it would turn out to be. Round two. Fight. So this one is the cover is by Jack Kirby with George Russos. Uh, the writer of the story is Stan Lee, penciled by Jack Kirby, inked by George Russos, Russos and lettered by Sam Rosen. And before I even get into the story, I'm going to say I do not like George Russos the way I like Dick Ayers. 
and I think you'll see it as you as you read as you look through this book. But that's we'll we'll talk about that later. Is that so, who this George Bell is? Is that actually George Russo's? I, I didn't see the name George Bell. Is that uh? Yeah, in the in the credits oh, in the, box in the book inside. in the book it says George Bell, but on the Marvel Wiki it says George Russo's. So that must Bell must yeah. have been his pen name. You you go ahead. I'll look that up. Okay. Reed Richards has once again created a formula he believes will cure the thing. However, this time, Ben is uninterested in a cure because his girlfriend, Alicia Masters, loves him the way he is. When Reed presses the issue, the thing destroys the beaker containing the cure, much to Reed's frustration. When Alicia later arrives, she informs the group of the latest news about the Avengers' manhunt for the Hulk. Meanwhile, in New Mexico, the Hulk flees from the authorities, with a cordon surrounding the area the hulk forces some truck drivers to slow to stow him in the back of the truck as he sleeps the hulk reverts to bruce banner when the truck is stopped at a checkpoint banner flees into the desert banner seeks shelter in a nearby cave hoping that he can find rick jones and get help unfortunately the stress causes him to transform into the hulk once again and the hulk seeks shelter in his cave Elsewhere, the Avengers and their ally, Rick Jones, search the nearby wreckage for clues to the Hulk's whereabouts. As their search turns up nothing, the Hulk learns that the Avengers have replaced him with Captain America and decides to get revenge against them. The Hulk then bounds off to New York City to face them. Back at the Baxter building, Reed suddenly collapses while working on an experiment, and Johnny is sent out in the Fantastic Car to fetch a doctor. Along the way, he spots the Hulk trashing the streets and flames on to face the Gamma-spawned monster. The torch is no match for the Hulk and is quickly defeated as his flame and his flame smothered. As the news of the Hulk reaches the Baxter building, Reed tells Ben and Sue to deal with the Hulk instead of him, leaving them to worry that his sudden illness is grim and their leader might die. When they arrive at the scene, Johnny is still fighting a losing battle against the Hulk. Sue protects her brother with her invisible force field, but soon passes out from the strain. That's when the Thing steps in for a rematch against the Hulk. As the Thing and Hulk battle it out, in the ci out through the city, Reed tries to leave his bed to help the team, but finds that his malady has made him too weak to do anything. Ben and the Hulk's battle takes them onto the George Washington Bridge. Exhausted, Ben tries to get a reprieve by trying to blind to bind the Hulk in one of the bridge, bridge's tension cables. Meanwhile, Sue returns to the Baxter building with a doctor and the prognosis is grim. Reed has been afflicted by an unknown virus and all the doctor can recommend is bed rest. Meanwhile, the Hulk defeats the Thing in battle and moves on, seeking his revenge against the Avengers. Left behind, the Thing picks himself up and follows after the Hulk, intent on stopping him. So now this one, uh, Again, just, just to kind of take it one step at a time, I, I can see in the penciling where I really like the art in this book, and I could see in the inking where I don't. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's why I made the original comment about George Russo's. Uh, some of his line work is, is thick. Some of the details are not fleshed out well. There's points where he just kind of takes the pencils and puts ink over them instead of actually making any effort to clarify them or make them better. So I'm, I'm not crazy about the final product, although, like I said, in, in the actual pencils, I could see where I would like this issue very much. 
Uh, and then there's there's some moments. The one that jumps out to me is on page 11 when the uh, thing and the Hulk clash uh, and they get back into another clinch. That to me seems like such a classic pose for the two of them. And I think as we <laughs> review issues of this, uh, you know, of, of these meetings, I think we're going to see that one again. And I seem to remember seeing it actually kind of homaged or recreated uh, later, possibly by uh, by Rich uh, <laughs> Rich Buckler. I'm sorry, Buckler. Uh, yes. Uh, so I, I want to keep an eye open for that. Uh, this one, like I said, I think it, it, it solves the issue of we don't need to have some sort of extra villain in there. And this one, though, does kind of present the Hulk as more of an antagonist, almost more of a villain in and of himself. Uh, he's, he's very aggressive. He's out to get revenge on the Avengers. And I wonder if there's something about the fact that they decided he didn't work with the Avengers, and he didn't have his own series yet. That they were seeing where they were going to go with him at this point, and they, you know, they were possibly considering him just making him an out-and-out -out villain. At least that's the way it felt to me when I read through it. He seems more conniving uh, and more just vicious in the way he's presented. Eventually, right. eventually, we kind of, you know, had to retcon information on the Hulk to, you know, to make it that he was, you know, had like a multiple personality thing going on because, right. you know, you, you, you just, he was just all over the map with these different presentations that he had had. Uh, but here, I think, you know, this, this is, this, to me, this is even more of the Joe Fixit Hulk as far as how he's, how he's being presented. Yeah. Uh, as far as the battle goes, you know, I, I like the fact that you know, I, I, I lamented as a ch as a young kid, but I like the fact that he's just tougher than the other ones, and they're not going to make any bones about it. Uh, you know, he beats the torch, he beats the Hulk, uh, the thing, he beats Sue Storm. Now, maybe all combined together, if they used some proper teamwork, maybe they'd be able to take him down. But the way they they fight here, you know, he's he's tougher than all of them, and there's no question about it. Stanley. You know, I, I know his, his thing was, you know, you have two guys facing each other. I don't care what the differential is in power. Have it work out to a draw if it's two heroes. But here, there's, there's, there's okay. no question. He's, he's, this is not a draw. And in this issue, you know, it's, I don't mean to step on you and, you know, you can express your own opinion if it's different, but I think it's hands down. The Hulk is the victor here. Um, Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you because one of the moments, probably the moment that I, I like the most in this one is in the last three panels where Ben is very humbled. And I really like that. Um, he says, you know, as he's picking himself up at the very end of the book, he beat me. He goes, that big brainless muscle bound creep beat me. It never happened before. And he's humbled by this. And it takes him a moment. He gets his reserve. Uh, you know, he uh, finds his reserve and uh, gets his resolve, I should say, and sets out to, okay, he beat me, but I'm not done. And uh, I like that. He goes, uh, you know, he's, he's going to, you know, the only way he'll stop me now is by killing me, he says. And that, you know, that's the end of the issue. I like now, that. Now, isn't that in its own way very, very similar to the very, very praised uh, 
issue of the X-Men with the with Wolverine down in the sewers after being defeated by the Hellfire Club when uh, he says, you know, and now it's my turn, and they end yeah. the issue on that? Yeah. yeah. To me, that's very, very similar. It's, it's a great cliffhanger to leave off on, and I think, uh, you know, I don't know that that was inspired from this, but certainly it's the same type of moment. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really, you know, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to do this episode today was to cover this story, uh, you know, because it's a two-parter, obviously, you know, in FF 25 and 26. I, I, I dare say this is one of the greatest uh, Marvel bouts of all time. I, I think it's fantastic because I am a total sucker especially for these silver age uh tussles like this you know the the early marvel tussles cuz uh you know you and I have talked many times about the old uh marvel superheroes cartoons that used to you know that came from the 60s um you know one of the ones i absolutely used to live for was the thor episode with hercules cuz it's just like this those two meet up and they just trash New York City as they, you know, you've got two gods battling each other and just tearing up everything. And that's what this is. I mean, the Hulk and the thing may not be gods, but that's their power level. And uh, I mean, they're, they're trashing everything. And I so bad want to see this on the big screen. I want to see this level of, of battle um, you know, in a Marvel universe, I think up to this point, the only thing that we've gotten that was close was the the thing and uh, or excuse me, the Hulk and uh, Iron Man fight in uh, Age of Ultron. You know, that was right up there. But uh, this is this is great. I love this. I think this mm. is awesome. But before we get in too much into the actual fight, um, something I really wanted to point out that uh, hit me in this one that I I, I <laughs> just get such a kick out of. Um, I'm thinking at this point in time, Stan Lee didn't really know what a coma was. Because <laughs> on page seven, um, Reed collapses and the thing picks him up and says, uh, he's in a coma. That's on page seven. Two pages later on page nine, Reed's talking to the group and giving them orders. He got better. And then a little bit later on, he it's mentioned here. I'm trying to find it. Oh, uh, page 15. He passes out, and in the dialogue box, uh, it says, Mr. Fantastic lapses into a helpless coma. And then you go a couple of pages, and he's awakened, talking to Sue on page 19. And this happens, I think it happens like three times over the course of the story where he's in a coma, he's not in a coma, he's in a coma, he's not in a coma. It's, it's hysterical. Well, according according to Wikipedia, a coma is a deep state deep state of prolonged unconsciousness, in which a person cannot be awakened, fails to respond normally to painful stimuli, light or sound, lacks a normal wake sleep cycle, and does not initiate voluntary actions. There, I mean, it does use the word prolonged, and that's where right. I think it, it's different from what we're getting here. Right. Uh, it appears to me that he is not sleeping he's unconscious if you want to make that distinction so then the question is prolonged what you know what what does it take to define something as a coma right and i don't know <laughs> i'm not sure i don't know if there's a <laughs> uh, if there's an actual 
standard for that. But it certainly does not appear that he is in a normal sleep cycle. <laughs> I have a question for you. I hope I have Page. an answer for you. And you know, I just noticed something. I think I've done, for the first time, something that used to bug me really badly about the Hulk when I was a kid <clears throat> was he was always portrayed not only with having absolutely no nipples at all, but he was bare-chested. In oh, this, I just noticed... Hulk is hairy, yeah. He's got hairy arms and hairy chest. Um, but anyway, page 21, where the Hulk is looking right at us, the reader, this picture's bugging me because he he looks familiar. You know, he looks like to me? <laughs> Buddy <Ooh>. Hackett. <laughs> Buddy, maybe that's it. Because I was thinking Carl Malden, but well, yeah, that, maybe he's got Buddy the Carl Malden nose to go, go in there. But I see right? Buddy Hackett in that face, which is not who you yeah. would think to use as a character model. For <laughs> right. So, so I'm thinking it's not meant to be Buddy Hackett, but that's who it looks like to me. I'm looking at a picture of Buddy Hackett, and it looks to think of this guy as the Hulk is absolutely ridiculous. But you're right; it does. He does actually look a bit like Buddy. Ha That's funny. That is hysterical. Um. Yeah this this issue's this issue's fantastic. I really like this one. It's fun. It's just fun. You got to kind of turn your brain off for a, a number of the sequences in this. Um, but it's just fun. I love the part uh, where the Yancey Street gang send an empty truck rolling down a hill to knock them both into the river. Um, you know, it's just it's wacky stuff like that. And then the thing for one thing, how does this thing swim? Because he, he swims to the surface and gets in a boat. You would think he would sink like a rock. Yeah. I mean, by this point, he's he is the rocky thing. But he gets in a boat. He's driving away in this boat. And you've got the Hulk leaping after him. Now, how does that work? If he's in the middle of, what is this, Hudson Bay, Hudson River? Yeah, Hudson River. So what is he sinking all the way to the riverbed and then leaping from there every time he leaps? Because it, it looks like he's actually leaping on top of the water, which wouldn't make any sense at all. So how is how is the physics of that working? Yeah, no, the sinking to the bottom and then leap using the floor to push off of is the only thing that seems to make sense. But it also seems like the drag from the water would keep you from leaping very far. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't I think that's that's more for the sake of just showing how relentlessly the Hulk is chasing him. Uh, and it's a, there's a little bit of logic be damned to it. Right. Uh, I love the battle. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just think, you know, and this one's very different from the one we gave before. You know, the thing gets in some shots. He gets in some offensive moves. But realistically, he's trying to fend off the Hulk the whole time. He he doesn't really mount much of an offense. And and there's there's scenes where he knows, you know, like you know, he gets him wrapped up in the cable, and there's there's a very sad looking thing face, and he's like, can't hold on much longer, too much of a strain, getting weak, tired, but he's stronger than ever. How does he do it? And I think that's the key to these thing Hulk battles, is. The Hulk, you know, the madder the Hulk gets, the stronger the Hulk gets. And that's, you know, they, they've kind of done that. They didn't, I don't think they articulated that throughout his history, 
but I think they've always done it throughout his history. I think it's been consistent. I'm trying to find an instance in this where that is actually stated, and I don't think it's stated. However, um, the thing, there's a point here where he says, I'm trying to find it, there's a thing in the dialogue where he says, oh yeah, he's getting stronger every minute. Yeah, I, I like that because this... Are we seeing the beginnings of the matter he gets, the stronger he gets with this story, I wonder? Because yeah, the, the thing is clearly tiring, and he, he comments on that, you know, that his arms ache and he's he's being worn out while the, the Hulk just continues to, to ramp up. He doesn't tire. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that, you know, even before we get to the, the last you know, panels of the book, you can see the the thing coming to the realization that um, he's outclassed in this fight. He's doing his level best to keep up, but he, uh, yeah, he he's not on the same power level anymore as the Hulk. The Hulk has now uh, grown to where he's more powerful, and that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Uh... Yeah, this. This is a really, really good story. And there's so much going. I mean, that's the funny thing. You know, you look back at, and I know we say this a lot, but you look back at stories like, especially like this one. I mean, this could be an entire miniseries, you know? And this is just the first issue so far of of a two-issue fight. But there's so much stuff that happens in this one story. And some really, really awesome dialogue in this. I, I love some of uh, the thing's quips. You know, where he, where he says to the Hulk, he goes, ain't you embarrassed to go around with an antisocial attitude all the time? I love that. That's great. And uh, I can't help but think, when I look at this panel of the thing essentially is is playing like a like a ring around the rosy game of keep away by putting a, a city bus between him and the Hulk for a moment, and then the Hulk just grabs it and rips it in two. Can you imagine if they'd had the the ability back in you know the the eighties to do that in Superman two? Because I love that movie, but you look at it now and that battle is pretty tame, you know, for for a comic book battle you know of of characters of that power level imagine if they could have done something like this you know having you know the villains actually rip that bus apart as opposed to just throw it at each other you know as impressive as that was this this panel right here is just awesome i want to see that in a movie yeah i i definitely agree it could be a very effective special effect and certainly within their ability to do at this point I love where the Hulk is grabbed uh, the thing's arms and is crushing him down to the ground, and the thing just goes, "Hey, let go! That's my pe- that's my pizza eating hand." <laughs> it's like it's like the Hulk is fighting Bugs Bunny, right? <laughs> but uh, this, at the beginning of this one, you know, the Reed Rich has, has got you know, in theory, a cure for for the thing. And the thing doesn't want to take it and, like, slaps it out of his hand and ruins it. So doesn't that really take Reed Richards off the hook forever? You know, it's funny you say that because I had the same thought rereading this. I was like, you know, I, I can't count the number of, of co- FF comics I've read where 
the thing is either down on his situation or he's down on Reed specifically for not having whipped up a cure for him yet, despite his promise to. Well, right here, he did, and he slapped it away. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think Reed's off the hook at this point. Yeah, I mean, we don't uh, know if it will work or not, but the thing never gave it a chance. So, therefore, he can never complain about Reed's inability to cure him. Now, that Reed, Reed may carry some internal guilt that he shouldn't, probably, but he, he might have some uh, internal guilt that needs to be, you know, taken care of somehow psychologically. But, you know, it, it's certainly, I think, from our perspective, from the outside looking in, uh, there's there's no need for it anymore. Right. I don't recall an instance where where Reed ever, I don't want to say threw that back in his face, but ever mentioned it. And you'd think he would. Something like that, you would you would think he'd you know, at least once would go, you know, well, you know, I I tried that one time, and you know, you you slapped it away type of thing. But I don't recall that ever that ever being a thing. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it ever came up again. Although I do think there were other times when he had. I, I seem to remember he had a cure. And it was some sort of machine, and the thing trashed it. Similar, similar to this. Yeah, yeah, that that tickles my brain as well. I, I can't tell you specifically where, but I, I that does sound familiar. I like this too because while the Hulk is, this is more. This is more like rampaging Hulk. You know, this is closer to the Hulk he would become. It's also, I don't know, you, you had said he's more of like a villain in this. I, I see it a little bit different. He, he is more villainous, but I see it more that he's like a petulant child. Because he, ultimately he's doing this because of hurt feelings. He, he feels rejected by both Rick and the Avengers. And he he's wanting his revenge on them for you know for you know jilting him essentially. At least that's what I'm getting out of this. And I think that's that's kind of fun. You know, it's kind of interesting you know, on a psychological level that at the end of the day, this is him having a big old tantrum. Uh, tantrum, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's, <laughs> that's destroying the city. You know. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, they're not. It's not. He's not a mustache twirling villain, uh, but I right. think his his motivations are to cause havoc. So, I think you know, in, in the hero villain handbook, he still falls on the villain side of things. Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm ready. I'm I'm willing to put him to to cast him in that role at this point. Now, you, you mentioned he's more of the Rampaging Hulk. Now, there was that magazine series, The Rampaging Hulk, mm-hmm. which I think, if my memory is correct, I think eventually that was determined to be a different continuity. But when it was being published, I think it was theoretically in the, the time period in between uh, when, the, when the Hulk's solo series ended uh, and when the Tales to Astonish series started. So it would be in this era. Yeah, I've always wondered about that because um, I've I've had issues of that over the years, and the, my the issue I, I remember having, you know, that, that I have the clearest memory of having is the one where 
the Hulk is frozen on a block of ice and being carried by the Avengers, and it's very much like the classic Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it always it's the golden, like, clunky Iron Man suit. Yeah, and so it always made me wonder, like, where where is this story falling continuity-wise and all? That is on my my list of things to read at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But one of these days, I, I do want to read that series because... You know, folks that I, I've seen talk about it are very passionate about, you know, how great a series it was and all. And I, I've, I've long been curious about it. But, yeah, I've always wondered, you know, how does the continuity of that work or was it an out of continuity series? I I don't know, because I know that characters from the, at least uh, what's her name? Bar- Barit, mm-hmm. um, you know, is is an actual character. So if the series takes place out of continuity, how does she work in regular continuity? I'm not quite sure. So I don't know. Yeah. No, uh, well, she, she actually appears in the Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. In uh, Gal- guardians of the galaxy. Yep. Yeah. She's the girl on star Lord ship at the beginning. Yeah. Well, so, well, we I, I, think, I, I think we're uh, in agreement that the Hulk hands down is the winner in this one by unanimous decision. Yeah. I like that the last shot of the Hulk is very much what, what would become an iconic shot of the Hulk too, kind of raging, you know, fist clenched at the sky type of thing. I really like that shot. Yeah. I, again, I think the inking could have been a little better, but I definitely like the pose. Yep. Uh, so I guess I really like the cover. Uh, I'm I'm a little uncertain about the disparity in size between the Hulk and the Thing, as far as the accuracy of that portrayal. I, I think the Hulk is is one of these characters that is shown at varying sizes, and that may be like the angrier right. he gets, the bigger he gets. I don't know, uh, but he he see, there seems to be almost too much size differential between the two. Uh, but that said. Short of that, I think this is a really, really sharp cover. I, I, I like the image. I, I think the Hulk, the, the thing could have been just a little sm- drawn a little bit more smoothly. I think there's almost a little bit too much emphasis pl- p- placed on making him look like a, a pile of rocks. Uh, that it doesn't, you know, he doesn't seem to have any kind of a, a flow to him, which I think later on was perfected. Um, short of that, I, I have really no complaints beyond what I've just said. So I'm going to say a B-plus on the cover. I think it's really very striking. The interior art, I love the penciling. I don't love the inking. Uh, but you got to take it as a whole. So I'm going to say a B-minus on the interior art. And the story, I think this one addresses everything that we that I thought was a shortcoming in the first issue and kind of you know runs with that. So I'm going to say an A on the story. And overall, I'm going to give the book a B-plus. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna be quite different on this one, I'm afraid. Um, That's okay. I I do not like the cover on this one. Um, while I like much of the cover copy, there's just simply too much of it. There's it, it's like somebody just went sticker crazy, just popping stickers on there. You know, a Marvel Super Spectacular. It's the Hulk person, the thing. It's pulse pounding. It's blah 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 blah, blah and it's just too much. And then. The actual artwork of it, um, I'm sorry, I, I just don't like it. Um, this reminds me a lot of a cover that would come much later on, um, an early Captain America cover with the Hulk busting through a wall. 
and uh, Cap, and I want to say Bucky for some reason is on the cover too. Um, Cap and Bucky, it's a Starenko cover. And I know it's sacrilegious to say anything bad about Starenko, but I never liked that cover because the Hulk is like 20 feet tall. It's just ridiculous. Same thing here. The Hulk is just massively much huger than the thing. And he's a fat ass, too. For, I mean, for some reason, he's just big and fat looking. Um, the, the thing looks scared. And so that, you know, lends to the possibility of, of kind of spoiling a little bit inside. Now, the thing's never scared in the story, but clearly this thing is beaten in the story. So I almost feel like that spoils a little bit of, of what happens in the issue. But he does. He looks he looks like he's actually scared of the Hulk on this cover. And then the other three are just kind of in the background just so that they're in the background. They're not really doing anything. It's just kind of weird. And then the building's about to topple over and crush some civilians and nobody's paying any attention. So I don't know. I just I think the cover's a mess, frankly. I, I really don't care for it at all. So I'm going to go... I'm sorry, I'm going to go a D on the cover. I, I really don't like this one. There's no reason for you to say you're sorry. You're allowed to like <laughs> what you want to like and dislike what you um, want to dislike. Interior art, I like it, but I'm not, Yeah, you know, like you say, I'm not crazy about it. I'm not as enamored of it as I was the art in the first issue, and I, I can only imagine that's because it's a completely different inker. Um, I'm not terribly familiar with George Russo's. By the way, I did look up um, G. Bell, George Bell, and he that is a pseudonym for George Russo. So it is we're, we are talking about the same guy. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't pick him out, you know, his art style out of a, you know, a lineup of art or anything. But clearly, you know, when you compare it to Dick Ayers in the prior issue that we looked at, it's different. So. You know, the fact that I don't like this near as much as I like the art in number 12 with it being the same penciler tells me, well, it's the inker then. Um, I just don't care for the inks. They're kind of all over the place. Um, so art wise, I'm going to have to dip down quite a bit. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say a B minus on the art, which actually I think I'm being generous. But th that's because I can still tell it's Kirby. It's still very dynamic. I mean, damn, is it action packed? And again, it feels like it moves. I mean, I'm looking at page 18 at the moment. That panel where the thing gets on the top of the bridge and he's ripping that girder apart. I know it's a static image, but I swear it moves when I look at it. You know, I can actually hear like the rending of the metal. It's just great. I love artwork like that where it's it has a flow to it. And uh, this does. This moves very cinematically. And it's it's really, really good stuff. I mean, there's. As far as the actual artwork, you know, inking aside goes, uh, there's very little of the artwork I don't care for. About the only uh, piece of art I really don't like is that close-up we were making fun of of the Hulk. That just, it looks so weird to me. I mean, that just doesn't look like the Hulk. It looks like some bum, you know, in, in green body paint or something. It's really <laughs> odd looking. It's like something you'd see on SNL or something back in the 70s. It just looks really bizarre. It's like when John Belushi um, played the Hulk in the skit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the story, though, the story, I'm trying to think, do I have any issues with the story? I really don't think I have any issues with the story. It's it's fun. It moves. 
I'm not sure exactly why Stan needed to take uh, Reed Richards out of the equation, but it's neat that, I, you know, I always like stories like this, you know, the, especially these early Marvel Stan stories where, you know, there's there's a half of your brain that's like, Jesus, didn't they have enough to contend with? But he threw even more at them. And I can remember like stories where Spider-Man had to face you know, some dire situation, some villain that was more powerful than him or whatever. And he had a cold at the same time. You know, this is that sort of situation. You know, they're facing the friggin Hulk. And as if that wasn't bad enough, now Reed Richards has got, you know, some disease that's, you know, keeping him, you know, coming in and out of consciousness. So it, it's fun on that level of, wow, you know, what what more can they handle type of thing? And it makes it exciting. I, I think it's really cool. So. Overall, great on the book. Uh, I don't know if I gave a grade on the story. I'm going to say an A plus for the story because I really think it's a fantastic story. Um, overall, grade for the book, despite the shortcomings in the art, uh, both on the cover and the interior. Overall, I'm still going to say an A for the overall issue because it's it's great. This is part one of uh, of what I think of as as one of Marvel's best tussles. Well, this was reproduced in what was it Marvel's Greatest Superhero Battles, which was there you part go. of the series with like origins of Marvel comics and bring on the bad guys and all of those. Right. So this was considered to be one of the best even back then. Cool. When did that book come out? Do you know? Uh, I'm going to guess 78. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But that's, I don't know if I still have it, but I think I had that book at one point. I definitely had it. I don't have that one in particular anymore. I've tried to like re reacquire the, that series of books, and I think you know. I, I know I have Origins, Son of Origins, uh, Superhero Women. I don't think I have Bring on the Bad Guys anymore. I have to uh, look that up on uh, like see if it's on like Mike's Amazing World or something, and just find out what other stories are in that book because that that might be a fun. Uh, yeah, well, I know there's this one. There's the uh, battle between Daredevil and the Submariner from Daredevil number seven. Uh, I'm looking it up, trying to look it up right now. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, reprint stories from Stanley. Fantastic Four 2526, Hulk vs. The Thing, Daredevil 7, Daredevil vs. Submariner. X-Men number three, The Blob. Silver Surfer number four, Loki. Tales of Suspense 7980 and Tales of St- Tales to Astonish 82, Iron Man vs. the Submariner. Strange Tales 139 through 141, Doctor Strange vs. Dormammu. Amazing Spider-Man number 69, Kingpin. I didn't hmm. remember that. That some a lot of those I didn't remember, but uh, okay. <laughs> I, I seemed to, unless that's changed, I'm not sure. The only one I'm finding on a quick search on Mike's Amazing World is one just called Marvel's Greatest Super Battles, but that one was in 94, and it doesn't have this story in it, so that, that must be something different. This one does say originally okay. published 1978. Hmm. Yeah, I'll look that up at some point, but yeah. Well, are we ready for uh, the conclusion? I think we are. Hang on, let me just get to it Uh, something i noticed i don't know if you saw this on the wikipedia that we were looking at it says that this issue that you just did 25 that that's the first mention of uh of aunt petunia which i thought was interesting yeah and 
she, we don't we don't meet her until the John Byrne run though. Right. So quite a, quite a while before we can actually meet her, and then she's not what we expect. Right. So uh, number twenty six had a, a cover date of May of nineteen sixty four. Cover is by Jack Kirby and Saul Brodsky. The uh, story is written by Stan Lee, penciled by Jack Kirby, inked again by George Russos. And the cover depicts the Hulk at the top of a, uh, a skyscraper that's being erected. So it's all just, uh, you know, girders at this point. And the Fantastic Four and the, and the Avengers are all making their way up the framework in order to fight him. And he's got an eye beam in his hands and... I guess he's not afraid to use it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's chucked several of them down already. So the story on this one... Oh, actually, you were doing the story on this one. I'm stepping in yeah, to do. us. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, all right, the, the title on this one is The Avengers Take Over. So following his defeat while battling the Hulk, the Thing pulls himself, himself up and starts the fight anew as an army of soldiers and news crews watch. Uh, watching this on television, Mr. Fantastic tries to go into action, but is still too weak from his illness to, uh, to do anything. Out of concern, Sue calls for an ambulance and hands over the formulas that Reed had been working on so the doctors can try to cure him. Also at the hospital is the Human Torch, who has been patched up following his failed battle with the Hulk. Realizing that the Hulk is still on a rampage, Johnny flames on and heads back into battle despite his injury. He catches up to the Thing and the Hulk, who are still brawling, and tries to lend Ben a hand. While the Hulk swats the two away, the soldiers step in by firing a mortar shell at the Hulk, but he easily deflects the shot. That reminds me, I don't remember, I think it was in the prior issue, I meant to point it out. There was actually discussion of using atomic weapons <laughs> in the middle of the city against the Hulk, which I thought was really fun. Uh, Johnny is winded after the conflict and Ben tells him to stay put while he continues after the Hulk. As he plods along, Ben shrugs off an attempt by reporters to interview him. Meanwhile, the Hulk has uh, retreated into the subway where he commandeers a train to ride toward Avengers Mansion. When he arrives, he finds that the Avengers are waiting for him and a battle breaks out. Outnumbered, the Hulk grabs Rick Jones and then flees to the, uh, flees the scene unaware that the Wasp is following him. Back at the hospital, the doctors have succeeded in formulating an antidote that instantly cures Mr. Fantastic. The Fantastic Four regroup and head out to stop the Hulk once and for all. They spot the Hulk on the street as he is stunned by the Wasp, who is using her Wasps, uh, wasps that is really hard to say, Wasps sting in his ear. Distracted, the Hulk is ambushed by the Avengers and the Fantastic Four at the same time. However, the two groups are uncoordinated and get in each other's way. During the confusion, the Hulk bounds uh, onto a nearby construction site. After a brief squabble about who is best suited to stop the Hulk, both the Avengers and the Fantastic Four agree to work together. This time, the two teams uh, proved too much for the Hulk. In the ensuing chaos, Rick tosses a gamma ray treated capsule into the Hulk's mouth. This triggers a transformation into his alter ego as he falls into the Hudson River. It's Bruce Banner who surfaces from the water and is swept away by the current. In the aft aftermath of the battle, 
Rick is commended for his bravery and the Avengers and Fantastic Four part company as allies. Yeah, it's an issue. <laughs> um, so, I think my biggest takeaway on this one is just a tiny bit of disappointment over the overstatement of how they couldn't work together. Like when when they start to bumble <laughs> with each other, it's it's just like taken too far. Yeah. Yeah, that it almost gets a little silly there with them kind of tripping over each other and all that. But I mean they got a they got a lot of pages to fill <laughs> at the same time. I like this one. Um I actually like this second part of the of the battle um even better, you know, this issue even better than the the one prior. Um mm-hmm. just because it feels like the the stakes are ramped up that much more. Um, they're really starting to realize, you know, just what they're up against. You know, they're battle weary at this point. You know, Johnny is, uh, as we see, is all bandaged up. Um, I really like the panel where he comes kind of stumbling out of the sky, realizing that he's he's hurt more than he wants to admit uh, and that he, he just can't keep aloft anymore. Um, you know, things like that. It, it gives a, a lot of weight to the story. Um, I like that the thing just continually keeps getting knocked on his ass by the Hulk and just gets right back up again. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of years before we would get to it, but that to me is, uh, uh, you know, it, it puts me in mind of that great um, Marvel uh, two-in-one annual where he fights uh, the champion, I think was the guy's name. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I love that story because it's the same type of thing. You know, he just... He's getting his ass kicked, but he just won't give up. And I like that about the thing. You know, he may be outpowered, but he's not outclassed. And that that's really cool. Um, the top silly moment for this one, though, um, beyond, you know, the teams tripping over each other, is the, the Hulk stealing a subway train to get to the Avengers Mansion. Look at the look on his face as he's piloting that train. Yeah. He's the saddest looking Hulk I've ever seen. <laughs> I was going to ask you, who, who does that face look like? Because that's somebody too, and I can't think of who that oh, is. Oh yeah, that's maybe like I'm thinking like, like Lenny Lurch from Of Mice or... and Men or something. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, he just he's sad, Hulk. Uh, I, yeah, but, I but of, I... of all of all means of moving, you know, one thing about Manhattan is it's not really crazy big, especially if you've got the ability to leap for miles. Uh, right. You don't need to, to commandeer a subway train. <laughs> well, that you know, was the other thing. I you know, there's so much going on in these stories, and I didn't take notes before we sat down to uh, to do this, which I guess I really should have. But that's the other thing is, you know, in the prior issue, we see that great panel that shows like three or four bound lines of the Hulk, and it says in the narration something like, "Having finally arrived in New York, I'm thinking how." friggin long would it take you actually i think it does say 24 hours so for 24 hours he's hip-hopping from where where was gamma base nevada i think so yeah you know from nevada to new york city (laughs) it's just that's where he should have come and did a train get on amtrak and go right yeah (laughs) not just to go downtown (laughs) 
he did sneak onto that truck, which I like that part too, where he. Uh, Although he, looking he back on that, truck. that was a little silly though. Like when they when they stopped the truck and he runs off, the the drivers of the truck had to say the Hulk got in the back. But they're just like, oh, that's just some hobo, <laughs> you know? Right. It's Bruce Banner at that point, they just they're totally dismissive of it, and it's just silly. Um, I uh, we don't really get a lot of Hulk and Thing battle in this one. We open up with it, and uh, I mean, the Hulk gets in one good shot. The Thing covers him in broken up rocks and stones, and then gets in a good shot. And do we actually do they actually engage each other at all? And beyond that, uh, page four, they're still tussling it out when Johnny shows up. Um, but yeah, we don't, we're not really getting any true feel for who's doing better there. Right, and then the Hulk does his famous slapping his hands together, which knocks them back. And then from there, yeah, let me think. I don't think they tussle again until they get to the to the construction site, right? And I'm looking here real quick. I'm not seeing the thing actually. They, they, they both they, the well, they, they both tried to throw a punch at each other and hit into a, a beam, and they both end up bending right. it. Uh, the Hulk pours cement on the thing, which is extremely humiliating. Uh, according to the thing, but then they don't actually follow yeah. up on that. Yeah, that's and it. that's it. Now I was looking back at I actually have Avengers number four pulled up here real quick because I was trying to remember if this was the first. Now this is the first um, of Captain America interacting with um, the Fantastic Four. Obviously, this is him meeting them for the first time. Although again, we don't get any handshakes or anything which is a little disappointing but it should also be pointed out that this is the first time that the hulk and captain america are facing off with each other too which mm -hmm. i couldn't remember i used to own avengers number four and i couldn't even remember did they i was trying to remember did they fight in that issue because i know that the hulk had something to do with uh, although it's more namor really but i remember in wasn't it like Avengers number three, the whole reason that they were out there? Well, Avengers number three, the Hulk and Submariner are teaming up right. against the Avengers. And the Avengers went looking for them, right, with their yes. sub. That was the whole reason they were out there to find, yeah. But I couldn't, so I knew the Hulk was involved, but I couldn't remember if the Hulk actually fought Cap in that issue or not. And he, he does not. They fight Namor, but they don't fight the Hulk. Right. So I don't know where the Hulk had buggered off to by that point. I, I'm looking here real quick, and I'm just not seeing. I, I don't see the Hulk in this issue at all. So I, I, I just don't. I can't recall what had become of the Hulk by this point. Did he and the Did he and the um, Submariner split by this yeah, point? I, I guess. Yeah, I think I think they split at the end of issue three. I think they had their own, uh, you know, little falling out at that point, if I remember right. But don't hold me to that. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't remember. So, but I, I, I like when, when Captain America meets the Hulk, and it, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you remember when the movie The Incredible Hulk came out, uh, and Blonsky has his first taste of the super soldier uh, 
serum, but before he becomes the abomination. Right. Uh, and he faces off against the Hulk for a moment, and you know he's he's zip you know moving around and just kind of outmaneuvering the Hulk until the Hulk actually gets him and right. then just pulverizes him. But I remember after that movie came out, and people were, were you know the buzz was that uh, you know if, if that's how they would do a Hulk Captain America fight, similar to that. Only I guess the result would be slightly different. Uh, that you know. Plonsky ends up getting, like I said, pulverized, which I don't think they would have done that with Captain America. But that's that's what it's reminiscent of, because when they battle here, uh, you know, Captain America is kind of outmaneuvering him over and over again. Well, there's also um, Ultimates, the Ultimates, and the Ultimates um, Cap and the Hulk fought, and I, if I remember right, I think... Didn't uh, didn't Ultimate Cap take him out? I think he may have, but I don't really remember very well. I actually I remember. It'll be a while before we get to that one. Right. (laughs) I actually remember the movie better. The what's that called? Ultimate Avengers, I think it's called. Yes. The movie. Yeah, I actually remember the movie better than I remember the comic. I I wasn't terribly enamored of the comic, although I thought I, I thought it had its moments. Um, but the movie the animated movie I really liked. And I know that there's a, a Captain America Hulk tussle in that one as well. Yeah. I like this cause you know, here's a guy that's just been mopping the floor with, you know, everybody, not just the thing, not just the fantastic four, but everybody. And cap doesn't hesitate. He charges right in there anyway. Um, and holds his own pretty well against the Hulk until, uh, Johnny shows up. So I, I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. I would, I would have liked to have seen that fight actually go on a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have minded that either. But I guess that you know you had a limitation on how much you could focus on any one one-on-one battle in this book, just because of you know page count. And you know right. this this wasn't in an era where they would do this across four issues. The fact that they did it across two issues makes it something special in this era. And I, I kind of like the way they they did it too, though the first issue really is for the most part it's the thing versus the hulk uh you know the torch has his own little thing in there the invisible girl has a little bit in there but it really is the thing versus the hulk and then they didn't bring in the avengers until the second issue you know it wasn't they didn't have to split time the entire two issue series they you know they they waited until the end for the avengers to come in and in my mind for some reason i always think of this as a crossover where the first issue is in the fantastic 4 and the second issue is in the avengers which it's not right but for some reason my mind always goes that way because i feel like the <laughs> second issue is more avengers focused you know but again it's not what happens at all uh you know but you know you you mentioned the historical significance of some of this and you know we do get the moments where it's like you know yes we respect you very much and it's nice to meet you kind of thing with you know the two, the two teams which is kind of cool you know it's right. stan you know making the universe smaller or expanding it depending on how you want to look at it but he's making them all part of yep. the same universe that's true because i've really been focusing on captain america but is this the first time that that the FF is meeting all of these characters, all of these Avengers? I think, according to the Marvel Wiki page, and let me go back to that, I think they say there was something that occurred before this. 
this is the first time the Fantastic Four and the Avengers work together, but this is not the first time members of each team have interacted with each other. Mr. Fantastic's earliest encounter with Tony Stark was depicted in Thor First Thunder number three. So that's a retcon. That's prior, retcon, yeah. Prior to Stark becoming Iron Man in Tales of Suspense 39, Iron Man's first recorded con- contact with Reed was Avengers The Origin number three, and he later met the rest of the Fantastic Four in Avengers number three. I don't remember him meeting the Fantastic Four in there. In both instances, he was seeking assistance in capturing the Hulk. Likewise, Thor first met Reed in Thor First Thunder number three, when Thor met with government officials who were nervous about his activities. He later was tricked into battling the Fantastic Four in Thor First Thunder number five. Giant Man first met Fantastic Four in his previous identity of Ant-Man in Fantastic Four number 16. Okay, so that one is actually predating this. This is the first recorded time that both the Wasp and Captain America have met the Fantastic Four. Rick Jones met the Fantastic Four during their previous clash with the Hulk in Fantastic Four number 12. So I'm looking at Avengers number three, and Iron Man used an image projector to project himself into the um, Baxter building, kind of like he kind of looks like Doctor Strange's phantom form or Mm -hmm. what is astral form. And he he first appears to the thing as he's getting dressed and then he appears to Sue and Reed in their lab. So, yeah, he had he also does the same thing. He projects himself to Spider-Man and to the X-Men. So that might be his first time meeting some of those characters as well. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've always had a, a, a minor fascination with the first time that, you know, characters have met. And when you look back in the Marvel universe, um, unfortunately, a lot of the first meetings between these characters are kind of disappointing because they don't make a bigger deal about it. You know, these days, um, and I think we've seen that with some of the the retcons and reimaginings, you know, when we've gotten like the ultimate universe and stuff. You know, these days when characters, you know, big characters meet for the very first time, it's it's a big deal, you know. Um, you know, and DC did similar things too, you know, when they've had their different, uh, you know, retcons and, and, uh, reboots and things, you know, now like post crisis, you know, when Superman and Batman met for the first time, it was a huge deal, you know, whereas back during this, it was just a simpler age for comics. So uh, not as big a deal was made about it, but it's, it's kind of a shame that, you know, it's a, it's a great missed opportunity to play it up bigger, you know? But then again, this this issue is pretty big as it is. There's a lot of great stuff in here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was, uh, you know, they, they I think you hit it on both ends, that they didn't really want to make a big, big deal out of it. But on the other hand, there is a lot of fun stuff in there. And it was acknowledged as one of, you know, a pivotal issue when all was said and done. Uh, like I said, one, one of my biggest things is the, the fact that they're like bungling fools and they can't manage to work together, that they're getting in each other's way. And I understand that, you you know, you're not effective as a group as you would be if you actually like kind of practice together and came up with some maneuvers together uh, or a strategy of how to attack him. But the way they're like tripping over each other just seems a little extreme. Right. So, but then, you know, eventually they, they all decide to... Uh, to work together, but they do have some, even then they have some issues with kind of getting in each other's way a little bit. 
you know, overall, I just think this is, you know, this is just fun stuff. Um, and the only thing I think I had a little bit of an issue with was the resolution. Rick Jones has a gamma-treated capsule that he throws into the Hulk's mouth to turn him back into Bruce Banner. And then lets him float off in the East River where, you know, for all we know, he's going to drown. Yeah, it this had that feel, and I have no idea if this is really the case, but this had that feel of, you know, it, it could be the case because I, you know, I know that you know they're about the Marvel method, you know, where the artist would just draw, you know, and then they would pencil or you know they would dialogue everything in later type of thing. But this had the feeling of they suddenly realized somebody suddenly realized they were running out of pages and just have to wrap this damn thing up, you know, and that's kind of how it feels like, well, you know, that's it. We don't have any more space. You know, we, we better come up with something. And so, yeah, that's the only real criticism I have of this is that it, it is a pretty lame ending because clearly they see uh, at least I'm presuming they see the Hulk go off and fall into the. Yeah, they, they comment on it. He plunged into the Hudson. Well, if you saw that, you know, then why wouldn't you go after him? He said, you know, he can stay submerged for hours. We'd never find him. Well, you're never going to find him if you don't look. <laughs> and they don't they don't make any attempt to look. They just let him wander off and fall into the river. And, well, I guess that's the end of the Hulk. Well, no. Oh, well. I mean, you know, they, they were, you know, they were so obsessed, both teams, so obsessed with finding the Hulk, stopping the Hulk, capturing the Hulk. Well, here you got him. You know where he is. And they just, well, man, that's it. You know, not to mention, you know, the the devast, you know, the just the swath of devastation he's left behind. And, you know, they never address it in these old comics or anything. But, you know, you've got to wonder when the battle was as far and wide and awesome as this one was, was anybody hurt or killed in, in all of this? You know, now they make a lot of mention about, you know, it's, it's you know, abandoned tenements and abandoned warehouse and abandoned this and abandoned that. So I, I guess they're making an attempt to to say without coming right out and saying it that nobody was hurt. But still, the property damage alone, you know, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, who who do they answer to? Do they answer to, like, the mayor or the governor or something? Isn't that person going to be pissed that they didn't pursue this further? Yeah. I don't know about pissed that they wouldn't didn't pursue it further, but they may be pissed just that there's the damage that there is. Right. You know, I, I yeah, I don't see that. That's something that doesn't get addressed for a while in comics, but eventually they kind of start hitting on that a little bit. Uh, just, Let me just, ask you just, something. Just a, a stereotype that I didn't like before you get the question is uh, anytime, you know, back in, it seems like in this era, anytime uh, anybody had to go to the hospital for something, uh, they'd, wrap their head in gauze. What what exactly is that doing? You know, unless you have a wound that's bleeding, what is wrapping your head in gauze going to do for you? It makes you feel better. I guess. What were you going to ask? Do you think taking the, the, the breadth and scope of the Hulk over all these years... And, you know, obviously he's had his ups and his downs in, in his own books and his, the different series he's had over the years. But taking all of that into account, 
Do you think maybe the Hulk works better this way as this almost like a like a Frankenstein's monster that kind of roams the Marvel universe and and pops up from time to time to cause havoc and to fight with you know other characters and everything only to just kind of you know almost like Bigfoot style you know like there's a sighting every now and again as opposed to having a regular monthly title where you have to come up with adventures for him constantly many of which are kind of lackluster what what do you think well, I, I mean i've heard that theory posed before that the hulk would be a better character to have in a series of mini series rather than have an ongoing uh you know you, you bring him out every once in a while and then you put him away for a while and then wait before you bring him out again i don't know i, I kind of feel like there have been some really really good stories in his ongoing book the same way Every character seems to have an ebb and flow to quality, uh, depending on the creativity of the team that's putting it together at the time. So I, I don't believe that it needs to be in this format in order to have him be a successful character, because I think when, when there's a good writing team on there, they come up with good stories, and they can do so for an extended period of time. Uh, you know, I think Peter David had a really, really good run with the Hulk. So I don't think you need... Right. You know, I don't think it, it, it's necessary that you put him in mothballs every once in a while. Uh, although I, I don't think that necessarily hurts any character to just kind of give him a rest for a little while. Because they all seem to get tired after a while when you just, you know, month after month after month. And, you know, eventually you feel like all the stories have been told. Or, or the, you know, you're bringing out the same villains to face them again. Like, why aren't they gone already? Because this is the <laughs> 16th time that he's facing them. Uh, you know, so you do have right. that element to it, but I, I, I don't differentiate him from any other character in that res, in that regard. I think you can, you know, fail or succeed in writing a monthly book with the Hulk just the same way you can any other character. It may take a little more creativity, but you know that's why the writers get paid. Right. So, I don't know if that that totally answers your question, but I, 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 I personally think that you know, the shortcomings are. Lack of creativity, not lack of character ability. Well, the character, I mean, I'm quick to add my voice that, you know, the character, as you say, clearly has had some really great stories, you know, some really good runs and everything. Um, But I also think that he's also had some of the longest stretches of fallow periods as well, you know, where it's just you know, where the title just wasn't really doing anything for anybody. So that, that's what makes me wonder, you know, in his case, um, mm-hmm. I, I, it's why his, his good stuff really stands out that much more, uh, when it is, you know, a really good story of the Hulk or a really good run of the Hulk because, uh, of those long stretches where it was just kind of, well, it was kind of there every month, but was it any good, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Cause I, yeah. I really like the Hulk, but I think I like him best like this, where he is, uh, you know, just on a tear and, and you know, the, the pursued monster kind of thing. But I, I think in the current day and age, that becomes a little tedious, too. You know, with technology being what it is, it should be impossible for him to hide for any length of time. Yeah, that's true. You know, back in the 1960s, that was an easier trope to go with. Right. Right. You know, with surveillance and all. I, I, you know, even even in this, this cinematic universe, uh, 
I think it's in in the the first Avengers movie when they find him and I, I don't remember the exact dialogue, but he says something to the effect of "Oh, you found me." And I think the Black Widow says something like, "No, we knew where you were all along, but you weren't we never, bothering we anybody, so we just left you alone." Yep, we never lost you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I, I, a lot of my feelings on on Latter Day Hulk were were really wonderfully summed up by uh, by Iron Man uh, in an issue of I think it was either an issue of Wizard or an issue of Toy Fair magazine where they used to do that Twisted Mego theater, mm-hmm. and uh, the Hulk says something stupid, and Iron Man just looks at him and goes, "Why hasn't Shield killed you yet?" That <laughs> 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 was just you know, that that kind of summed it up for me. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point, you know. Why, are, why would they just let this thing continue to rage for years and years and years and, and you know, nobody puts a stop to it? <laughs> um, so where, where do we grades fall on, on this? Well, where do we fall on the battle or the battle scene? So we, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I think we're um, looking at another draw because I don't think we really get a clear cut victory from either one of them in this in this issue. I don't think we really get all, you know, we, we went through the battle. We don't get a hell of a lot. Well, I, I guess, I guess maybe we need to refine our parameters a little bit because to me, I don't know. It, it depends. I mean, is, is a victory, does that mean the other guy is clearly beaten or no, is a no, victory? I think, it's, I think it's whoever does better. I think we, okay. You know, well, it's, it's, here's the battle who, who, you know, who, who was better than the other one, or is it a dead heat? So, if that's the criteria, who performed better? Um, I gotta give it to the Hulk because I mean he's holding his own against the FF and the Avengers. I'm gonna back um, you. I'm gonna back no, you up on that one because I don't think it matters. The other people don't matter. It's the Hulk and the Thing. That's all we're looking at is the Hulk and the Thing. Right. So we have um, just just breaking it down a little bit. We start off, you know, they're in a clinch, in a clutch, clinch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he he punches the thing into the ground. The thing throws up, you know, the the stream of dirt and stuff in his face, and then gets in a good punch. Uh, the next time we see them, they're battling it out on the street, but nothing really happens. Uh, he slams the two rocks together, which sends the thing flying in the air. Uh, and then we, I think the next time we see it is on top of the construction site. Yeah. When, uh, when they both punch the I beam and I think that's yeah, it. That's, that's, that's so, pretty much it. I mean, that's, 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 you know, what, what the rest of the fantastic four and the Avengers do, I'm going to say doesn't matter. It's really just when the well, two I, faced I, off against each other, how did they do? Well, I would still have to give it to the Hulk because I'm not sure if Ben mentions it again because, you know, he seems to have found his second win. So I don't know. I can't remember if he mentions again, you know, being so tired or anything like that. Um, he, he seems like he's renewed. But the Hulk clearly is still, you know, just chugging right along he doesn't show signs of fatigue he doesn't show signs of of wearing down or uh, or anything it's not until uh, rick forces him back to banner that you know that he stops so you know in theory you know he he was just 
going to keep chugging along until all these guys were whoops. So I, I'm going to I'm going to have to give it to the Hulk on this one. Um, I'm going I'm to disagree but, with you. I'm going to go with the draw on it because uh, when I when I look it over, I think the thing got in the best individual shot when he sent the stream of dirt into the Hulk's face. I think that was actually the best individual shot. The best shot the Hulk got was when he slammed the rocks together and made the thing blow away. Um, right. But I don't think either one ever got in a, a really clean, solid shot against the other one throughout. So I'm I'm going to vote draw. You're going to vote for the Hulk. So we have a split decision on this one. Cool. I, uh, I do think that the thing has to get major kudos, though, just for his resolve, you know, for knowing, you know, in, in his logical mind, as we saw at the end of the last issue, that he is, you know, he's been beaten, that he's, you know, outclassed, but he doesn't give up. He does not give up. And he, he's just he's determined to just, you know, fight as long as he possibly can, even against these overwhelming odds and a, and a superior opponent. I like that. There, there, that goes a lot towards, you know, speaking to his character, and I think that's really cool. That's that's one of the many reasons I really really like the thing. He, he's not often one of those characters I think of as being one of my favorite characters, but then when I read a great story with him like this, it just reminds me like, oh yeah, I always really like this character. Yeah, I agree. So I guess we'll rate the book now. Sure. Yeah, I find it interesting on the cover that as everybody's climbing up this skyscraper, Rick Jones is the highest. (laughs) I I like this picture. I like this cover a lot. I just like, you know, I mean, everybody's very small on it, so nobody's dominating the picture at all, uh, which is probably atypical for, you know, a a comic cover because usually you have somebody who's highlighted. Uh, this every, everybody's fairly small on it, but I think everybody is well drawn. Uh, I, I just like the scene overall. Uh, the biggest thing I have is that for a skyscraper, it's not a very wide or deep building. It's a very very <laughs> narrow area. You know, it's right. probably from the looks of it, it's probably about 25 feet by 25 feet, which is not a very big building. Maybe not even that. It's a cell tower. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but I think everybody's really well drawn on it. So I, I, I just happen to like this cover a lot. Uh, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say an A minus on the cover. Uh, the interior art, I think suffers from some of the same problems as the, the previous issue, as far as the inking goes, but it does look to me like maybe Russo's had a little bit more time and put just a little bit more detail into some of the shots. I think it's a slight improvement over the last issue, although I still don't think it's as good as it should be. Uh, so I'm going to just give it a plain, simple B. Uh, and the story, again, it's fun. It's, you know, the biggest problem I have with the story is just a quick resolution. Uh, that and, and the, you know, the tripping over each other aspect. But overall, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun story. I'm going to say a B plus on the story, and I'm going to give the book a B plus. Cool. Uh, I also really, really like the cover on this one. It's weird it's wacky it's wonky but it's it still works it's a lot of fun it reminds me of when i was a kid i had this i don't know what it was called you may know you may remember this as a, as a thing that you could buy uh, when you were a kid it was uh 
it was like a cardboard put together Marvel City with little cardboard like punch out Marvel characters. I vaguely and remember that have, it had like a Daily Bugle. Yeah, thing. yeah, I, I yeah. vaguely remember that. I don't. I think I don't. I never owned it, but I do remember seeing it at some point. I remember having that as a kid, and it was neat because at that time they didn't make. Um, figures of all of these great Marvel characters that you could play with in this city thing. So they were just, they were punch outs that, you know, you, they had little plastic stands and you could stand them. So they were static images of the characters. And I mean, really iconic classic art images of these different Marvel characters, but you could play with all these Marvel characters in this city setting. And I just remember really loving that when I was a kid. And that's what this cover kind of reminds me of. Cause you've got all these great heroes uh, all together on one cover. It, it is, you know, the more you look at it, the more you see different, you know, your eyes pulled to different things. Like, I, I just keep looking at the shot of Johnny as he's approaching the Hulk. He's actually melting the side of the building, and all that slag is presumably going to fall, like, right in Mr. Fantastic's face, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, there's no regard for anybody that's below him that's going to be hit with this you know, this flaming hot metal as it falls and drips down, you know, that's, you know, just different shots like that are fun. Uh, but no, I really do like the cover. Although I've got to wonder about the effectiveness of Cap's attack here. He's throwing the shield like over his shoulder and behind him as he's hanging off. The, it's like, it's not, that's not going to do anything. He's going to do nothing but lose his shield. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is. It's a great cover. I'm going to say, oh, God, it's really hard to grade this one. Um, I, I think I'll say an A on this cover because I do think it's iconic and it, it manages to work everybody in. And the that big white space behind them somehow really works because it makes the colors really pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's a really good one. Um Interior art, I will agree that it is a little bit better than the last issue, but overall, I, I think the problem with this is still um, in the inks. Um, the Hulk just looks kind of bizarre to me. He, I don't know, I, I can't quite, I can't quite place it, but the, his his face looks weird, and he's again he's that fat ass Hulk that I just don't really care for. I know he's supposed to be huge and muscular but it just makes him look huge and fat um which i don't find you know scary or intimidating or anything when he's just this big fat green monster I, i'd rather he, he look actually you know physically intimidating um and there are some really kind of wonky bits to the part where he's pounding his head to get the wasp out of his ear just looks ridiculous um there's a shot of iron man i meant to comment on. let me see if i can find it real quick uh, page 18, that second panel, that is the most ridiculous Iron Man face I've ever seen. It's, it's just silly. Um, so, there, yeah, there's some it's, problems. It's, it's almost art. out of the Marvel Apes. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just looks so weird. Um, so, yeah, the, the art's kind of, yeah, it, it's not as good as it was in issue 12, but it is still fun. It's still very energetic. So, um, I, th- I think I'm going to go a, a B minus on the art. Could be a little bit better. And then story wise, I, I, I still dig the story. I still think it's a lot of fun. Um, 
I'm going to dip a bit from the previous grade, though, because I think I gave the other one a... What did I give the other one, story-wise, an A or A+, plus, yeah, I think? I think yeah, I'm gonna, definitely an A, maybe an A+, plus, I'm not sure. I think I'm going to go an A- minus on this one, only because of the, the whole tripping over each other thing. Uh, I agree with you, got a little tedious. Um, I, I think one instance of that may have been okay, but they kind of belabor the point a little too much. And then um, for a a quick and lackluster ending, unfortunately. That's the only real drawback to this whole thing is the the ending is just kind of unsatisfactory. I mean, clearly they can't have a decisive, you know, victory over the Hulk or, or anything, but I, I think they still could have come up with something better uh, than, than this particular ending where he just kind of slinks away with his, you know, tail between his legs kind of thing. I, it just doesn't quite work for me, but. Otherwise, uh, a really fantastic book. I think I'm going to go a, an A minus on this one. Um, but between these two, between 25 and 26, damn, what a great, what a great battle! I wish they had done this as uh, as one of those uh, 60s cartoons. I think this would be great. Yeah, I agree. It would be cool to see that. Uh, just since you have the folder, what are the next? I don't know if next time around we, when we cover this, we're going to do one issue, two issues, three issues. But why don't we just see what the next three are? This way we can we can plan for it, and anybody listening, if they want, they can have already read them. So I'm not sure. I can't remember now where exactly I got this folder from. It may have been something I downloaded. I don't remember. But it claimed or claims to be um, all of the... Thing Hulk fights, and as I look through the list, I'm thinking that these must be in some sort of retconned order. So the next one it shows is the Incredible Hulk number 122. But then the next one after that is something called Fantastic Four, the World's Greatest Comic Magazine, um, issue number five, which was published in 2001. So... Clearly not in publishing order, but in some sort of retcon timeline order, which is not the order that I would prefer to cover these in. So let's um, let's so go let's go with the actual publishing order. I think we I'd rather that if we can. So it looks here like it would be um, Incredible Hulk one twenty two, and then the next one after that is Fantastic Four one twelve, which is uh, that one's quite a ways down the line. Yeah, it's quite a gap. I'm not seeing uh, I'm not seeing a date on that one off the top of my head, but it's uh, gonna be like around 1970-ish. Uh, I'll tell you in just a moment. Fantastic Four 112 is cover dated July of 1971. Okay, and then the next one after that is uh, your old favorite Giant Size Superstars number one. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna suggest or request. Next time out, let's do Hulk 122 and 112, and then I would like to actually dedicate a uh, an episode to Giant Size Superstars just because I love that issue. That works for me. So the next time we get to this particular topic, those are our two books, Hulk 122, Fantastic Four 112. Cool. Cool. This is fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is lots of fun. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you're having fun, too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. 
You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. My upper groin hurts. I, it's been, you know, about where the appendix would guess, be, but I know it's not that. Guess what's going at the end of this episode? <laughs> My upper groin hurts. Yep. <laughs>